Deleen, thank you for reading for us. Uh, let me pray for us as we come to this part of God's Word, and particularly pray uh, in light of what Jesus says at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. So I'll pray in light of those words for us. Heavenly Father, your Son tells us that everyone who hears these words of his in his Sermon on the Mount and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Help us, Father, as we hear these words of your Son, that we might indeed be like that wise person, that we might not only hear but also act in light of what you say to the glory of your name. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, are you uh, the kind of person who doesn't mind being noticed? You know how, you know how some people don't mind being uh, the centre of attention with things? Uh, or are you much, rather, much more the person who'd rather go unnoticed? That, you, know, you hate that kind of thing. Uh, everyone's different. You know, some people don't mind being in the limelight. Uh, for others, it scares the daylights out of them to kind of be noticed by others. Uh, and perhaps it might depend what you stand out for. Right? If you stand out for something good, maybe it's a good thing. Stand out for something bad, maybe not so good. Uh, at the moment at the school across the road, uh, confusion reigns when it comes to which uniform you wear on which day. So depending on what year you're in or what day it is, then you've got to wear the normal uniform or the sports uniform. And you know what kids are like? If you get it wrong, you're in the classroom, you're the only one with the wrong uniform. The rest of the class goes, ooh, you put the wrong uniform on. Uh, kids are cruel, right? So, we all remember being there. Uh, last year, I joined a soccer team that already had their jerseys for the year. And uh, the best I could do was come up with a uh, shirt that was kind of salmon pastel pinky colored that was closest to their jersey. So every week, I'd stand out and then I'd cop the comments for wearing a salmon shirt as well at the same time. Uh, so you can stand out for all sorts of not so helpful reasons. But then you get the people who stand out for, for good reasons or, or for, you know, kind of nice reasons. They're great athleticism. You know, they always win the races. Uh, or they're great intellect. They're known as being the, the real clever person, so people look to them. Then there's that person who's just good at everything, that most other people hate them because they're just good at everything. Unless you're that person, then you love it. Uh, and their names are always in the bulletin and always on the newsletter and always in the news. They stand out. See, what kind of person are you? Do you? Do you love standing out and kind of people noticing you and, and maybe the glory that follows? Or would you much rather go unnoticed? You know, you hate that kind of thing. You don't want to stand out. Uh, you want the stress-free life. You want to be void of worry, void of controversy, much happy to kind of be that quiet person that nobody notices. You see, here's what Jesus will teach us today. The Christian stands out. The Christian community stands out. And there will be good parts to standing out and there will be really hard parts when it comes to standing out. And why the Christian stands out is really important to get right. Because there's good reasons to stand out and also bad reasons, which we have to be careful of as to why we stand out. That's what Jesus will teach us today. But firstly, we have to remember what part of God's word we're in. Uh, like I said last week, the Sermon on the Mount, it's arguably the, the greatest sermon ever preached Hard to argue, Jesus preached it, it's got to be good. Uh, but also, it's perhaps the most misquoted sermon ever preached. Uh, that's why we read from the beginning of chapter 5. We, we need to remember the Beatitudes as we read today. Uh, you need to have a Bible in front of you. We, we need to remember that what Jesus here is teaching about is the kingdom of heaven. That's the topic. This, this is a kingdom sermon. And Jesus, he's teaching his followers about the kingdom. 
He's talking to those who want to follow him, who belong to citizens, who are citizens of that kingdom. And Jesus is saying, this is what kingdom living is like. If you belong to me, you live for me, here's what it means to be a citizen of my kingdom. And as we start today, the first thing Jesus says to his followers is, you are salt. You are light. And this is point one on your outlines. And make sure, again, you've got your Bible there. Look at verse 13. Look at what Jesus says. Chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, verse 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And look at the beginning of verse 14. Same point, different metaphor. Look at verse 14. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now, what does Jesus mean by that? By salt. By light. Because it, it, it's a bit of a weird thing to say, right? Let, let's just be honest. Jesus, if someone comes up to you and says, hey, you're, you're, you're salty. That's a kind of a weird thing to say. What does that mean? I, I, I get home from a surf. Maybe my wife Emily gives me a kiss on the cheek and she goes, oh, you're salty. You, know, you do some exercise. Your husband and wife gives you a kick on the cheek. Oh, you're salty. You know, what does Jesus mean? What does he mean by calling his followers light? It's Valentine's Day on Wednesday. You, know, you, you light up my world, that sort of thing. Is that what Jesus means? Don't buy one of those tacky Valentine's Day cards. Very hopeless. Don't, don't do that. But what does he mean? And this is one of those parts of God's word where lots of ink has been spilt about what Jesus means by salt uh, and light, and particularly salt. So then you get all these experts who, who talk about, well, in the ancient world, salt was used as a, as a preservative. That, that's what salt was in the ancient world, and people would use it to preserve things. So really what Jesus is saying here is that Christians are to preserve the Christian way in the world. That's their job. Well, then others would say, well, well, no, 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 no. Salt in the ancient world was a commodity. It was hugely valuable to have salt in the ancient world. And so what Jesus is saying is that Christians are like a commodity in the world. They're God's commodity in the world. And then you get the, the, the scholars of the Old Testament. Go, no, 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 no. Don't worry about what the ancient world used salt for. You have to go to the Old Testament. That tells us what salt is all about. And so Old Testament scholars, they, they look up at uh, you know, all the references to salt in the Old Testament and they come up with all these ideas. But the problem is there, there's lots of ways that salt is used in the Old Testament. And so which one does Jesus mean? What, what's he actually referring to? This is one of those parts of God's word where, where I think there's a lot of confusion sometimes. But I actually think this is really easy. I think Jesus gives us the answer right here if we just read carefully. Look again at verse 13. What, what does Jesus say about salt? Look at verse 13. See, he tells us that salt is to be salty. All right? Pretty simple. And then look at verse 15. He gives us a couple of metaphors here. Look at verse 15. Jesus says, No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. Or he gives us another metaphor. Look at verse 14. Look at the second half of verse 14. Jesus says, a city situated on a hill, on top of a hill, if a city's on top of a hill, it cannot be hidden. And so with each of these metaphors, the point's really simple. Those things stand out. Uh, Jesus' point is, salt is distinct. You, you notice it in your food. If, if you get the thing out of the cupboard, the white stuff, and you put salt in your coffee instead of sugar, you'll notice, right? Salt's distinct. You, you put it on your food, it's distinct. Uh, the whole purpose of a light is for it to shine, to be seen. Uh, a city on top of a hill, why do they put it on top of the hill? 
So that as people traveled towards it, everyone could see where the city is. You can't hide it. It's on a hill. It's noticeable. It stands out. And so Jesus is saying very simply, if you're a citizen of my kingdom, if you're a Christian, stand out. You stand out. And when you think of last week, wouldn't that just be obvious if you think of the Beatitudes? If you think of the person who is humble like Jesus and low before God, if you think of the person who's gentle and merciful like the Lord Jesus, if you imagine someone who thirsts and hunger for righteousness and for God's way, and that they're peacemakers, they're always looking to make peace in their relationships with people. Uh, if you imagine someone who suffers persecution for Jesus, so they follow Jesus and they get persecuted for it uh, verbally or physically, and then in their persecution they're glad and they rejoice, won't that kind of person stand out? Now, won't that kind of community stand out? And notice that Jesus doesn't say to his followers here, he doesn't say, be salt. He doesn't say to them, you go and be salt. You go be light. You must be a city on a hill. He doesn't say that. Jesus says to his followers, you are salt. You are light. You are that city on a hill. And this is so important to understand. The Christian and the Christian community, by definition, are Christians. That's why we call them Christians, because they're Christians. They belong to Christ. They belong to to, to, to the heavenly realm. They belong to Jesus. And their identity is found wholly in Jesus. And that's so different from our world, right? See, what does our world say about identity? Our world says, go and find your inner self. Go and find your identity in you. Our world says, you do you, Right? Our, our world says uh, that, that, that actually go find your authentic self. And if anybody stops you from being your authentic self, then don't let that person get in the way because it's all about you. See, our world doesn't use this language, but really our world quite unashamedly says, not be salt, but be selfish. It's what our world says, right? If, if it's honest, it says, be me focused. Be all about yourself and don't let anyone else get in the way. You be you. Be your authentic self. Find your authentic self. But the Christian says, well, actually, my identity is found in Jesus. My, my very self and who I am is caught up in Jesus. And if you and I, if we think like that and live like that, where we find our identity, our identity in Jesus, then you and I will stand out. We are salt if we live like that. We are light. You'll stand out because you're a Christian. Again, just think about it. For the Christian, if you live like Jesus, then people will notice that when you care for them and you sacrifice your own rights for them, that you do it because you belong to Jesus and you'll stand out. Because most people in our world go, hey, actually... You need to meet my needs and you need to tailor everything about whatever this thing I'm a part of is to me and my needs. But the Christian says, actually, I sacrifice my needs to serve you because I belong to Jesus. Won't you stand out if you're like that? People will see in you a peace that surpasses all understanding if you live like Jesus. And they'll see that for some reason, the Christian person is not as anxious 
as everyone else in the world that is currently so anxious. Have you noticed that about our world? People in our world today, they're so anxious, hugely anxious. anxious. And if you're a Christian and you find your identity in Jesus and so you don't worry, we'll see this in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry. Your heavenly Father cares for you. And so the Christian is not as anxious as everybody else. And if you're like that, you stand out. People will notice that you don't trample other, uh, uh, over other people for the next promotion in your workplace. And, and you'll stand out for being different like that. And even when things are hard in the Christian's life and you suffer and there's all sorts of difficulties in your life, and yet in light of that you're still glad and you rejoice in Jesus, people will notice that. You'll look different because of your hope in Jesus. You see, Jesus' point here is very simple. He's saying the Christian, by definition, because they're a Christian and because they belong to the citizen of the kingdom, they stand out. They just do. They are salt. They are light. They are distinct, noticeable. And just imagine if we as a church here stood out more and more for Jesus in that way. Just imagine, and we already do this, but imagine if, if more and more as a church that we loved each other. Imagine that more and more as a church, when people came and visited here or came here for the first time or heard about us, they'd go, do you know the people at Hope Church, they really love each other? And they, they care for each other? Do you know that actually there's Africans and subcontinentals and South Americans and Anglos and a whole bunch of other nationalities and they're all like brothers and sisters in Christ? Have you heard about that place? They love each other. See, imagine if we were more and more like that. We would stand out, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we be this great light shining throughout the Southwest as that kind of church? You see, in a world that is nothing like Jesus, if you and we as a church find our identity in Jesus, we will stand out. We just will. In small ways, in big ways, in all sorts of ways. Uh, a few years ago, my uh, brother-in-law got married. He is not a Christian. Uh, sadly, neither my nor Emily's, uh, my wife's family, have Christians in our extended family. We're the only Christians in our family. And uh, in the months leading up to my brother-in-law's wedding, I got a call from the, uh, the, the best man. And he was organizing the Bucks party. And so he was telling me what the plan was and so on. And so he said, uh, we're going to go deep sea fishing down in Kayama. And I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds good. That'd be great. Then he said, after that, we'll go and have dinner together, and then we'll go out for some drinks. I said, oh, yeah, that all sounds good. That all sounds fine. And then at the end, he said, oh, yeah, and by the way, there'll be a stripper there as well at the end. Uh, and at that point, I had to kind of, you know, politely excuse myself from that part of the night. They know I'm a Christian. They, they know I'm a Christian. They know I, I, I work as a, as a pastor. Uh, and when you do that, when you excuse yourself in that way, you stand out. When on that sort of night, you don't get plastered like everyone else, you know, drink till you drop, you stand out. Uh, though, funny story, I was preaching at church the next day, and uh, I got so sick on the fishing charter. If you've been deep sea fishing, oh, so sick. So I was green, and so I stood up, you know, like, kind of like at church like this, and just kind of said, now, I had a bucks party yesterday. <laughs> don't worry, I'm not still drunk. I just, I got really sick on the boat, and I, they believed me, I think. Uh, no more deep sea fishing for me. You see, the point is, you live for Jesus in this world. You hold to God's way and God's righteousness in what Jesus teaches us. Then you will stand out. You just will. 
And don't be surprised by this. You'll be both highly loved by our world because Christians are supposed to be nice people and people will think you're lovely. And that, that's a good thing. Christians should be not known to be nice. You will stick out and be loved. But also, at the same time, you'll be hated. Because the ways of Jesus, they're so different from our dark world. And people will hate you for some of those things. You see, brothers and sisters, expect to look different. Expect to stand out. Don't be surprised if, if the people around you think you're odd. Jesus says you are salt. You're salty, which is kind of odd. <laughs> you're light. You're distinct. You're different in a world that actually loves darkness. But Jesus also gives us a warning in what he teaches us here. Uh, look at what he says in the second half of verse 13. Have a look at your Bibles. And this is point two now, useless salt and useless light. Uh, look from the, actually, look, look from the beginning of verse 13. So verse 13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste... How can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. And look at verse 15. It's the same point. Again, the same sort of metaphor. And we saw this before. Verse 15, Jesus says, No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. And Jesus' point, it's really simple. Salt that loses its saltiness is useless. A light that does not shine, useless. And it's not difficult to understand what Jesus is saying to his followers. He's saying, if you fail to be salty, if you fail to shine, if you do not stand out because you are being who you are in Jesus as a citizen of his kingdom, if you don't do those things, then you're being a useless follower. And worse than that, the warning is that person or that community in church of God that doesn't stand out salt and light, they're actually good for nothing but to be thrown out. Uh, Don Carson, in his excellent commentary, writes this. It's up on the screen. He says, if salt loses its saltiness, it loses its raison d'etre, which is French for its reason to exist, and may as well be thrown out into the street, the garbage dump of the ancient East, to be trampled by men. It's a pretty strong image, isn't it? Simply, a Christian who is unlike Christ is useless. A church that is unlike Jesus fails to have a reason to exist. Or worse still, not only are they unlike Jesus, but they bring Jesus' name shame. And I'm not one to, to quote Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, to put it politely, I think he's a false teacher. Uh, I don't think he's entirely fair in his quote here either. But he famously said this. He said this up on the screen. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Now, I don't think that's altogether fair. But there's a truth to that. Isn't there? And isn't there so much pressure for the Christian to be unlike their Christ? In our world today, isn't there so much pressure to, to lose the saltiness, to refrain from shining? You see, the pressure from our world is turn your Christian message and the word of God into the message and the word of the world. That's the pressure, right? The Christian is told, the world says to the Christian, you must change your message when it comes to marriage. And the world says, you must change your message when it comes to Jesus being the only way to be saved. And when it comes to judgment. 
And when it comes to hell, you Christians, stop talking about hell. Change your message. The world says you must change your message when it comes to sexuality and gender and to identity and greed and careerism and wealth and parenting and tolerance and gambling and addiction and pornography. And I could go on and on because the Christian message is so, so different to the world. But the pressure is from the world, lose those Christ-like distinctiveness, those distinctives. Lose them. The world says, lose the bits of what the Bible says that does not fit in with the culture of the world. It says, lose the bits that we, the world, don't like. Get rid of those. Change your message. And sometimes Christians do that. And when we do, or if we do, you know what happens? We look exactly like the world. And we sound exactly like the world. And Jesus says, that's useless. That, that's to lose your saltiness. To do that, actually, is to be thrown outside of God's kingdom because you're nothing like God's kingdom and actually you're just like the rest of the world. That is actually to be like a non-Christian. And we all feel the pressure and we all cave at times. And let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, forgive us when we give in to those pressures because it can be hard. And it is, it is really tricky, right? Because the pressure for us, I don't think it's, it's so much that we get rid altogether of what God says. I don't think that's so much the pressure for us in our circles. I think the pressure for us is to become less salty. Uh, or to kind of dim the light down a little bit. You know, just turn the, the dimming switch down a bit. So, you know, when, when, we're, when we're like Jesus in the ways that, that are nice uh, and unoffensive to our world, then we do those bits. But then when it comes to the bits that are offensive to our world, well, we kind of hide those bits away and we, you know, we, we're less salty and we dim the light. I've been really challenged by this recently, probably actually for the last couple of years or so as I've reflected on this. Uh, I've been really challenged about losing my saltiness as a Christian, uh, dimming that light, so to speak. Because I, you know, I look and, and, and dress like the rest of the world around me. Um, I mean, you might think I'm a bit of a dag, but like, generally speaking, I kind of look like everyone else, right? Uh, I drive a modern car like most of the other people in our city. The house I live in is a respectable-looking house like most other people in our city. I eat out at times in restaurants like most other people in our city. I spend my money on the things other people spend their money on. I watch the TV shows that those around me watch. I desire for my kids at times what the world desires for their kids. Good education, sporting opportunities, extracurricular. Uh, when we holiday as a family, we holiday like other families. We're, we're busy a lot of the time, like the rest of our world is constantly busy. And then I think, hold on, do I stand out as a Christian? Do I stand out as a Christian? Uh, do you? And do you stand out as a Christian? Do we as a church of God that meets here in Leppington stand out or can we be in danger at times of losing our saltiness of, of covering our light with you know a basket full of the things of the world so that the light gets dimmed or altogether put out uh, in particular recently i've been challenged uh, to be careful of the sorts of tv shows i watch uh, during covid uh, my wife and i what i call uh, we caved we caved in we got a net netflix subscription we hadn't done it, but when it was COVID, I mean, there was not much going on, right? So we're like, okay, we'll get the subscription thing. Uh, 
You see, the shows that are on, that, on Netflix, everyone talks about them, everyone you know, speaks about them. And it, it's hard because those shows sometimes unconsciously make us more like the world and less like Jesus, and we don't even realize. And so that's something I've been thinking about lately. What shows am I actually watching that I need to be careful of? And I'm not saying you know, we need to become like Ned Flanders. If you remember The Simpsons, Ned Flanders, kind of really dorky kind of guy. Uh, I'm not saying let's become odd for the sake of being odd. Let's just be weirdos to be weirdos. But we're maybe so far away from being the Ned Flanders of the world or being odd and weird that actually what we need is to have a little extra salt. Maybe that's the better idea for us. Uh, last week, we went to Frango's uh, as a family. And um, if you've never been there, it's like a chicken shop in, uh, in Gregory Hills. And they just, they just made it bigger, I think, so you can eat in there as well. So you don't even have to take, you know, you don't have to eat at home. You can eat there and make a mess there and go home. It's great. Uh, and I love it because when your food comes out and they ask you, what kind of salt do you want? And I go, yep, chicken salt. And I say, extra chicken salt, please. And when you say extra, they, they like lay it on. Like it's proper extra. It's like these, these grains of yellow goodness falling right in front of your eyes. It's very lovely. You see, brothers and sisters, let's be more salty. Let's be careful not to lose our saltiness. Let's be careful not to dim that light switch. Let's not become indistinct from the world around us where we just kind of fit in with the culture and we don't look any different because we're not like everyone else. We belong to Jesus. Let's live for him. And let's do that for the sake of God's glory, which is point three, giving glory uh, to your Father, which I, I think might be missing on your outline, but just copy what's up on the screen. Point three. And this is, this is so important to get right with Jesus' teaching here because Jesus doesn't say, you know, go and do good things or be salt, be light, so that people might see your good deeds and go, wow, aren't you such a lovely person? That's not what Jesus says. This is really important. It puts the whole section together. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, in the same way, that is, in the same way that a lamp is to give light for the whole house, in the same way, let you, Christian, you follower of me, let your light shine before men. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so what Jesus says to his followers is, yes, remember who you are. Be who you are. You're a Christian, so your salt, your light, be that. But do it so that others might give glory to your heavenly Father. And you see that throughout the whole section. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And he says, you are the light of the, of the world. Uh, there's a mission or purpose to what Jesus is saying here. We're to be these things in the world for the sake of God's glory. That the salt and the light of the Christian causes the people around us to taste and see that the Lord is good. They should look at us, look at you, look at me, look at our church and see their heavenly Father and learn about Jesus in a world that is so dark without him. And implied in what Jesus says here is people understanding why we are salt and light. Uh, have you ever heard that phrase before, preach the gospel, use words if necessary? Have you heard that expression before? Uh, it's trying to get at the point that you know, as Christians we should not just talk the gospel but live it out. And that, that's a good thing, that's right. But I think the phrase can be unhelpful. Uh, you have to preach the gospel with words. It's a message. Uh, you have to, yes, have your actions shaped by the gospel of Jesus as you live the Christian life, but you need to tell people why you live that Christian life. That it's because of Jesus. Because otherwise, 
People will, will look at you and you'll be a riddle to them. People will look at you and they'll go, wow, Mike or Marie or Matt, they're so lovely, they're so nice. I wonder why. Why don't they whinge at work like everyone else? And why don't they moan and complain and gossip like the other people? Oh, they're just so lovely. But I don't know why. At best, you're a riddle. At worst, they, they then actually praise you. They go, oh, Mike, Marie, Matt, they're so nice, they're so lovely, aren't they such a wonderful person? And that can make you proud. No, we need to tell people why we live differently is because of Jesus. You see, brothers and sisters, we need to be opportunistic witnesses in our world. We need to you know, layer on the, the chicken salt, extra, 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 extra salt, layers of sweet grains of yellow distinctiveness so that people might wonder why we're different. And we can say, because of Jesus. And praise God when he uses you in that way. There's actually nothing more wonderful. You live a Christian life uh, and people around you notice and then you tell them it's because of Jesus and then they come and they hear about Jesus and they become a Christian and that is the most wonderful thing ever. That person was stumbling in the dark room of our world, tripping and falling over all sorts of things and then God used you to flick on that light switch, that light switch of Jesus being the light of their world. That is the most wonderful thing when that happens. And just imagine if we as a church grew to be that light more and more in the dark suburbs of our city. Glory to our Heavenly Father. Well, let me go back to where I started. I don't know what kind of person you are, if you like to stand out or not. But if you're a citizen of Jesus' kingdom, you do. You stand out. So let us be who we are in Jesus. And if you like standing out, make sure that it's not for your own pride's sake. Make sure that if you stand out, that you point people to Jesus. And if you hate standing out, you don't like that kind of thing, you don't like the attention, great, because it's not about you. Point them to Jesus so that he gets all the attention. And that his cross and his salvation, that he's won for people, is the attention. So that God might be glorified. You see, let us not lose our saltiness. Let us not dial that light switch down and dim it down. Expect to stand out. Expect to be both loved and attractive to our world and to be hated because our message and our life is so different from the dark world. How about I pray that we might indeed be who we are in Christ. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you that in the Lord Jesus you have saved us to be part of your kingdom. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross to make us his, so that we are salt, so that we are light, so that we are finding our identity fully in Jesus. But help us, Father, not to give in to the pressures of our world to become less salty, and less uh, shine, and, light, and shine less. Uh, Father, help us not to become less like Jesus, but make us more like him, so that we might show his light in a world that is constantly uh, just immersed in darkness and so desperately needs to hear about Jesus. Father, please use us to your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.